and roll, babe. Howdy, everybody. Uh, howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. <sighs> How you doing, Ira? Actually, I'm feeling really good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I feel healthy. Oh, we'll fix that. Yeah, we'll take care of that. Uh, this week, we're going to be reviewing Atomic Blonde. And, of course, we have our top five. Our top five is... Our top five is... Oh, John Goodman characters. John Goodman our characters. Our favorite top five John Goodman characters. I think this is the first time we've done an actor-specific top five, have we not? Yes. No, it's not. Tom Cruise. Didn't we do Tom Cruise? Movie? We, we just talked about it, but we didn't end up doing it. You're right. We did not do Tom no, Cruise. No, we didn't do this Tom This is the Cruise. first time we're doing a character. A character. Yeah. Limited to film? Well, we kind of argued on that one. I think we'll... we'll discuss that when as we get to it goes on when we get to it yeah right. good. how's life been treating you actually seriously i am feeling really good these uh, yeah i'm not coughing or hacking or vomiting and you got your buddy back hey i was at a party last night in hollywood hung out with randall kleiser oh yeah 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 you, you want to tell us about that nice guy i went up to him see i met his brother i knew the brother's full name and he said i'd like you to meet my brother randall i went are you Randall Kleiser? And I, first thing I said was, wow, the Bubble movie with John Travolta was a TV movie. Yeah. He was kind of impressed that I knew that. And of course, Randall famously played the Bubble. <laughs> he was a very good Bubble. Yeah. He was a very good Bubble. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, movies like, you know, Grease and Blue Lagoon. It's a nice guy. Very nice and um, very sincere and affable. Uh, no errors about him. Just kind of uh, genuine, pleasant. Did you hear the cat meow? Take a shot. Does that count? Yeah. Wait, then you no, should no, take no, a shot. Take, take a shot. Uh, help me with the word shot. In other words, take off your pants? No. What? Whatever this, oh, that's for an ambulance. Uh, wh- help you with the word shot? You don't know what a shot is? Uh, if like we, a shot of alcohol. Oh, every time the cat meows, we take... It's a drinking game. It's a drinking... Yeah, See that Rob- big, big tumbler of vodka right next Ro- to you? Robert, you don't drink. Not yet. Ah, I'll drive you to liquor. <laughs> just don't and drive me to sucker. Just uh, how are you doing? I'm Robert. doing all right. Yeah, yeah, lots going on, huh? Yeah, stressed, but lots we're, of stuff. we're working through it. My dad was in town this week. It was yeah. his birthday. He so. lives in Vegas. Yeah. He was in he town. Came in town, and we hung out a little bit. How's it going with a girlfriend? Everything's good. It is? Yeah. Life is good? Yeah, no one's yeah. dead yet. Well, yet. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about emails. We didn't have any emails this week, did we? We had none. How about that? How, what does that mean? I, I think it means no one's listening. That's it. Zero. <laughs> well, we're listening. <laughs> We're the only two. I think, that, I think this podcast is for us. <laughs> uh, so we'll move right past that segment into the more fun. You want to do Dead Corner? Or you want to do Week we always, I, Which do you feel organically would flow best? You know, I like switching it just to fuck with you. Yeah. So therefore, which one have we done in the past? Um, week in Review. So therefore, we'll do Dead Corner? Okay. Is that how it goes down? Yeah. Let's do it. So, and now, Week in Review. Here we uh, go. Uh, the uh, movies uh, that oh, I Roberto, saw Robert. <laughs> And now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. Got to tell you, unfortunately we must. The following people have turned to dust. I like the poetic reading version so much more. A lot of people like the jingle. Yeah. Oh, well, Who's a I lot do. of people? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May I run with this? Please do. Okay, we did lose a few uh, people. And one very significant person, by the way. Not to say these others are not significant, but let's say not as notable. Okay. Uh, such as... Uh, let's say it. Not as, not no- as notable. Not as notable. Not as notable. But they were certainly significant for their own lives and those that loved them. Yeah, well, even debatable. that could be arguable. Russell... Uh, 45 American actor and he was also in this is this man's 
<laughs> I'm this is fucking this up. Guy's this last is the, moment. The last moment. Like, oh and, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. What? I'm, I got it here in front of me. Yeah. Come, comegies. Yeah, like I said, whatever. Comegies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, he was in The Walking Dead. He was only 45 years old. And I do want to point out that The Walking Dead has lost two people. Remember the stuntman who was in his mid-30s with yeah. that horrible accident? And now this gentleman who is only 45. What's going on with The Walking Dead? How did he die? I don't know. Oh, I do. Traffic collision. However, keeping with the theme of the show, they'll be back. Yeah. They'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah. What if there were Terminator zombies? Wouldn't that be something? Hey, we can get them on our podcast. If there was a zombie outbreak, would you want to be in the first wave or would you want to be one of the survivors? Actually, that's a good question. But I'm still, Eric still brings up what you said a few weeks ago that you do feel that if it were to happen, yeah. uh, that we would all be cooperative and peaceful and help fellow our neighbors. I really believe that. You know, you're the only one who feels that way. Because everyone's sucking down, they're sucking off the teat of Hollywood. It makes for a much better story to watch people destroying themselves but look at what we've built we've built society human nature is to want to cooperate that's how we separate ourselves from the animal kingdom so you feel that we are intrinsically good yes i do i want to embrace that i really want to embrace that but i do wonder well i mean we focus on the bad that's it's we're kind of a conundrum in that way but we we focus on the negativity in life. We focus on people who do bad things. The news is all bad stuff, but we do good things, I think. Right, right. Most people do good things. Most people do good things. And even the bad people are justified in their minds of doing good things. See, I like how you couch that. Even the people who do bad things have that justified that they're doing the right thing. Right. Now, yeah. of course, in their mind, I mean, they're they're lying to themselves. They're saying things like, oh... This person can afford it, or this person has written they're me off. They're rationalizing. They're right. rationalizing. Right. right, right, But they have to do that. But Otherwise, with their value system, they're doing the right thing. Right. I mean, even if you extend this to Nazis, they have to justify right. all of the problems of World War One came at the heels or came at the, the hands of the Jewish people. So therefore, it's okay for us to kill these people. But with that argument, if we project it, all people are always doing the right thing. Always, they're always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. In their mind. Now, the problem becomes what you think is the right thing and what I think is the right thing right. obviously differ. And I mean, it can vary th- from culture is, to culture. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's terrorism, right? They right. believe that they're doing the right thing. Right, right. I would say you're being an asshole. And people on the other side of the planet feel that we are the terrorists. Uh, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So I think, by and large, most people would try to get together, especially people in America, in American culture. Americans give to charity more than any other true. country. More point, than all of the countries combined. It sure isn't emphasized very much, is it? But yeah. so I think when we see, I think we're we're inherently altruistic. We want to try to help. We, we see somebody who's hurting. We want to help that person. Right. Right. So yeah. yeah. Oh, there's another cat meow. Take oh, another shot. Uh, shot. Where's the vodka? Anyway, Russell's dead. That is your humor. That's something you would have said. Yeah, he's dead. Getting back to Russell. Anyway, he's dead. But, but to we'll answer ask your him question, when, he comes back. when it comes, you asked me about hypothetically. I would like to have a zombie slave and keep her handcuffed under my bed i love that you automatically make it a her hey this is my hypothetical would you fuck a zombie that's a great question let's talk about this let's talk about it yeah uh now honestly okay would you fuck okay well i have a few questions is she toxic if she bites me will i become one of her yes oh well then maybe i just have her put on a mini skirt and heels and dance for me that's really fucked up but she's brain dead She's, she's not gonna dance for you Oh, well, I'll, I'll make her dance. You'll make her dance? Make her but dance. She, I, will she even understand you? Who cares? I'll, I'll position her. her. I, I have a pole and I'll, I'll position She'll her. She'll do this. She'll go, ah! 
Sarah, what are you doing? I'm getting aroused. <laughs> would you would you poop in front of your zombie sleep? <laughs> Only if I could run the tap water simultaneously. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, also, you know, Robert, you actually sent me this as a text a few days ago that uh, Barbara Sinatra did pass away 90 years old. A film actress, no, but I would like to suggest um, The End of an Era. Mm. And is that why you mentioned her yeah. to me? That well, just, I don't it's... know. She wasn't so much of a film actress or anything, but she was she was an entertainer, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. She was, she was an, a, a fashion model showgirl. Right? Yeah. She yeah. was part of that whole era. Yes, yes. In the end of an era. Yeah, she's dead. Patty, Patty Deutsch. I don't know if you know who she was. I certainly do. 73 years old. She was on the game shows a lot. I'm including her only because she was a voice actress. Didn't and she, she did the Smurfs? Smurf- Yes. I remember her. You knew that. Yeah. Well, you have that because it's on our sheet? No, you really knew that? No, I knew that. Oh, she was in the Smurfs, so I thought we could cheat a little bit and include her. And she was on the match game a lot with Jean Rayburn, Mm -hmm. and she passed away. But there's another voice actress I do want to acknowledge, and I I hope that you know who she is. She's 99, June Foray. Does that name mean anything to you? The name doesn't. Oh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. She was... She was. Did she do Natasha? No. Everyone thinks she was a. She was Rocky, female, oh. doing Rocky, Rocket J Squirrel. And she was the voice, oh. and she did a lot of dubbing work and a lot of films. There was a famous Twilight Zone episode called The Drowning Pool, and they couldn't use the little girl who was in um, To Kill a Mockingbird because her accent was too thick and southern. So she came in and dubbed the actress's voice. A lot of work in films and so on, but mostly known for Rocky and Bullwinkle. She passed away at 99. Now, do you think when she comes back as a zombie, do you think that's going to affect her voice career? <laughs> well, as long as I can get her to dance. <laughs> you want some 90-year-old <laughs> zombie dancing for you? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fucking weirdo. We also lost uh, Leonard Landy, 84 American actor, who's in the Our Gang comedies, which was... Uh, a spitoff from the Little Rascals, right? Yeah, yeah. So Wait, we lost... I thought that was the same thing, wasn't it? It, it? it gets complicated, but when they the franchise suddenly shifted, and for some reason, when it went in syndication, there was a name change. I use those two synonymously. But was it? It was the same show. Yes, right? yes, okay. yes. I still call it the Little Rascals, but it was the Our Gang comedies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And how about Our Rascals? Our Little Rascals. Or li- little gang. Or little, little gang. Yeah, little gang. Little gang comedies. Robert, I don't know if you know this. The news story just broke about a half hour ago. We lost a legend. Ooh. We lost a legend. Um, I need to share this with you and perhaps our listeners that we did lose Kirk Douglas. Uh, he died no. late last night. American actor, producer, director, author. He was one of the... My- Michael Douglas's dad? Yeah, Michael That's how you know him. Yeah. Michael Douglas' dad. Um, He was in the film industry's golden age. I want to say he was an actor, philanthropist. Um, He was uh, nominated for three Academy Awards. He got an Oscar Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, so he he got a lifetime. Did he ever win? No, I guess not. I I guess not. But... um, but he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He's written novels, memoirs, and and so on. And he's um, highest ranked. Well, he was the highest ranked living actor on the Hollywood classic legends list. Talk about end of an era. Yeah, yeah. Truly the end of the era, of an era. Fuck so, Barbara Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> I, although, well, Frank I guess did. you can't. Yeah, well, you can't. You know, she's got zombie she's Zombie. Yeah. I'd still handcuff her and put her under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. That's, well, the so dead, all that's a dead quarter. Nice. Yeah. What movies did you see this week? Ah, we're segueing. That was a good segue. 
<laughs> that was a good segue <laughs> to just blunt force trauma <laughs> segue. Hey, what movies did you see this week? All right, are you ready? Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, let's do it. Wait a minute. What? For emails, I didn't read my poem. We skipped that. Robert, well, we and I have, have nothing emails. to fear. It's from our, but I should still no, say it. No, you should. Robert, no. even though we did not. I'm gonna. This I'm is gonna, a good moral question. Should I still? It's not even a moral question. Oh, whatever. If we don't have the segment, you don't do the yeah, intro. Bite, bite me. We can review yeah. other movies we've seen during the last seven days. Some are some are stinkers, and some we want to praise. Some are old. Some are new. We now present the week in review. Robert, you go first. You know, I'm gonna. I'm going to suggest that no one email this week so that we don't have to listen to any more of these theme songs. Ouch. That, um, that sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? No, to me it doesn't. Uh, I saw... Um, no, you go first, Ira. I'm going first? Yeah, go ahead. What movies did you see this, All right. this week? Well, I actually saw a movie about a prostitute. Go, go figure. Is that a requirement for all movies that you see? <laughs> well, it could be BDSM or prostitution. This is an obscure film. The sex has to be a prominent. It doesn't have to be. I'm not that narrow-minded or shallow or superficial. It, it, well, could, actually, it could have actually, sex actually, slaves as well. <laughs> it's only if she's a zombie. Yeah. Winter of Our Dreams, 1981. It was an Australian film. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it actually starred uh, Brian Brown. Do you remember him? He was in FX and yes. FX2. I, I love we never, I love Robert, we've never talked about this. I, I saw that in the theater when it first came out in FX the 80s, too. and I was like blown away by it. Yeah. It was clever. It was, it was wicked. It was fun. You know what? It was, it was great because it was a movie that... I, I as a kid, no one had ever prepped me for. I had no preconceived notions, and I think I went to Myrtle Beach and met some girl at Myrtle Beach when I was a kid. She was like, "Have you seen FX?" I'm what? And we went to go see this movie right after she had mentioned it. And in FX two, where he takes the clown, do you remember the robotic I, clown? I sure do. I he, sure do. He beats the guy up with the clown. Oh my gosh, that yes. scene stuck. I with love me. that you know these films and that you love them. FX. So Brian Brown was in was in them, and he's in this movie with Judy Davis. Now Judy Davis is one of those actresses I I know the name, but I don't really have a handle on her. She was nominated for an Oscar for Passage to India, and. Um, and also Husbands and Wives. Woody Allen worked with her. At any rate, it was a 1981 Australian film. Uh, she's a prostitute. He's a bookstore owner. They befriend one another. And he helps. Da, 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 da. But it was um, it was actually did quite well at the Moscow Film Festival in the 1980s and did win an award as a character study portrait huh. of life on the streets and so on. Judy Davis is quite good. That was my movie. Also, I just want to mention, uh, I want to pronounce it right, because you gave me the DVD, and I've yet to watch it. Rififi? Rafifi. Yeah, that's what I said. Rafifi. Rififi. Rififi. R-I-F-I-F-I. Rafifi. Rififi. I'm going to watch that really soon, along with Human Caterpillar Part Du. Caterpillar? Du. Human Caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if all these people have to be like, yeah, human centipede, I wrote, human caterpillar. You're giving your generation such a bad reputation. What does right that now? mean? What Which, does that mean? It's like you're, human caterpillar. you're kind of right, but you're not it, well, quite there. Well, like, what are you trying to say? This rough are you, are you rough idea. The human caterpillar. Are you, are you saying that I'm losing it? <laughs> He's quiet. He's not responding to that. Uh, scratch caterpillar. Let's replace caterpillar with centipede. Human centipede part d. You know the person caterpillar. <laughs> all right. The, the all people right. caterpillar. Giving people my generation oh, so a bad name. Okay. All right. And you? I saw one movie this week. 
I saw Incognito with Jason Patrick. Have you seen Incognito? I haven't. My girlfriend made me watch it, and I hadn't seen it. It was a movie from the 90s. Uh, and I, I mean, that was my wheelhouse of watching movies, because I, I felt like I'd seen pretty much everything. And, but it was right there in the mat, like smack dab in the middle of the 90s, 97, right when I was watching most movies. And I hadn't seen it. It was about an art thief who, or, not an art thief, but an art forger, I, I guess. Uh, he makes uh, fake paintings. And then they get sold at auction. And, but what he does is very smart. He's very clever. He always paints smaller paintings that no one really, um, no one would really question. He never does the big artists. He never tries to go for anyone very, very famous. Well, they try to get him to paint a Rembrandt. And he has to, Rembrandt has this missing painting. So he has to do all this research and estimate what the painting would look like. And he does all this research and basically starts to create a, uh, a Rembrandt painting like a missing Rembrandt and then they stage this whole discovery of this long lost Rembrandt and they try to you know sell it to auction and things like that and then of, of course everyone's trying to get their hands on it and it becomes almost like a spy thriller where it's it's double crosses and everyone's trying to get their hands on this uh fake Rembrandt it's a good movie Check wow it out. and we have your girlfriend to thank for that yeah well I think we also have Jason Patrick to thank for that but mm. but your girlfriend turned you on to it my girlfriend just turns me on. Mm, good answer. Good yeah. answer. Yeah. I, well, wanna, I just want to see human caterpillar. The people caterpillar? <laughs> human caterpillar. I think we should write the human caterpillar. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Okay. It right. turns into a butterfly. Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did that as a dramatic reading. Okay. I, all right. No, I love okay. that you think that this is a good idea. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk okay. about Atomic Blonde, shall Good. we? Good. Robert, as usual, you really do a terrific job of talking us through it. Would okay. you please do that? Well, I'll try my best. Yeah, yeah. Atomic Blonde stars Charlize Theron, and she is a spy sent from MI6 in London to kind of check up with a, a British intelligence spy who's been placed into Berlin. This is all set in 1989 Berlin, right before the Berlin Wall is about to fall. And there's a list of... I, there's a list of spies. I guess that's what it is, right? There's there always seems to be this list of spies. Wasn't that the main plot from Mission Impossible? The knock list wasn't that what they were trying to get? Right, right. As as you know, it's the MacGuffin, right? And it almost doesn't matter what it is, right? Truly, it doesn't matter what it is. You'd think they'd come up with something a little more original. Yeah, I know it's based on a graphic novel, but you'd think that they would still come up with something maybe a little more unique. Anyway, they're trying to scramble and get this list. A lot of very, very confusing scenes follow afterwards. And in the end, there's a bunch of double crosses. And it's a spy movie with some good action. Okay, what do you think? Whoa, that was talk about broad strokes. Well, yeah, you stroked abroad. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, the broad was up on the screen and I was stroking. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's easy to stroke too, isn't mm-hmm. she? And uh, I liked it. You did? Yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked it. I'm I hearing hesitance from you. Oh, I, right, I have a feeling you liked this more than More I did. than you did. Yeah. We didn't talk about this at all. Uh, not one word. Not one word. The stylistic choices of this movie were fantastic. It looked beautiful. And it, it, this, was, this was a moving painting. It was great. Almost every shot. I can't think of any shots that didn't visually impress me. Um... They do this thing, and I think I've complained about it before, but it really bothers me when they kept referring to people by their last name, and there's like six or seven characters that are all being referred to by their last name, and especially with a lot of thick accents, it gets lost. 
and I don't know who they're talking about anymore. Uh, that bothers me because I, I, I need subtitles in order to follow that. Right. And I feel like that's probably something that kind of got lost from the graphic novel. Uh, it, it's writing in a sense of when, when you see in the graphic novel, you can see visually who they're talking about and it's probably easier to track and easier to follow. Having not read the source material material for this movie, I found myself confused several times and going, what, who are they chasing? Who are they after? Uh, but with that said, like it really mattered. Well, well ultimately, I mean, if, if we're looking for story, then yeah, yeah I think yeah, it does matter. Of course. I think if you go there approaching this as a popcorn movie, you're going to be very, you're going to be very pleased as long as you're not trying to follow it as a plot. Uh, I, I found this to be marginally above the uh, fast and furious movies in terms of comprehensibility. I can't, I couldn't comprehend what they were talking about. It was too much. It was too too much coming at me, and it was all these different characters that seemed to know what they were, who the other person was, and I I was left out on the out on the cold, didn't know who they were. But overall, I liked the movie. I'm not trying to shit talk it. It was a good movie. I'm just trying to find the the parts that I think I was having an issue with. Right, and I don't disagree with you at all. It was got convoluted and complicated, and there were parts where I didn't quite get who was who and what the dynamics were, right. the relationship. But I, for, I think I'm more forgiving of the movie with that argument than you are. Um, it was real stylish. It was beautifully photographed. She's quite terrific. Yes. And now she's proven herself as an action actor, actress with with the Mad Max movies and so on. That she's she's really it. And I think she was incredible in this movie. Um, what impressed me so much was what appeared to be the lack of of uh, CGI that yeah. it was just raw and back to basics and it worked that way because I I mentioned this last time when we uh, spoke about Spider-Man that I I tune out with a lot of the CGI stuff yeah. and um and we should mention that there's there's a reason why Luke Besson's movie what was it what's the title of it Valerian it it tanked it's going to lose a, a shitload of money and I think people are embracing what I'm suggesting that enough with the special effects we're at a point where they can put anything on the screen right anything on the screen but it goes back to story except for the one thing that everyone wants to see child pornography they just oh. won't do it what well, was cgi yeah it's like just show us a kid getting butt raped yeah that's what everybody wants to see anyway right but why does it have to be cgi why can't that be the real deal well that's true yeah. but i yeah. mean at least cgi it <laughs> You know, we just want to see young, nubile, twelve-year-old butthole exposed. But why CGI it, Robert? I think I'm, that's a I'm bad. I'm agreeing yeah, with you're you, actually, Ira. Well, if you're agreeing with me, then why are you? Oh, hmm. I'm just saying, if you're gonna CGI something, right. Put that in there. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we we less explosions, more explosions. <laughs> are you listening to yourself? Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Okay. Um. But that I feel that. I'm going to make this blanket statement. It's a huge generalization, but like all generalizations, there's some truth there. That Don't we need to see more 12-year-old butthole? We let go of that, Robert. I'm worried about you. You need therapy. <laughs> there's a reason why... <laughs> You're going to tell me I need therapy. <laughs> that Luke's movie bombed. There's a reason why The Mummy with with what with what's his name? Uh, no, with wait, Tom Cruise. No, wait a minute. Who are you ripping off right now? Is this yours? I'm power, I'm capable of individual thought. I did not go online and read a lot of reviews. This is Ira talking. Right, I'm gonna, and I'm sometimes the, you do that. And you know right what? You're like surprised that I'm really perceptive, aware, and articulate. And in this right I'm, moment, I'm I am. I'm suspicious when you No, are. but I really thought about this. I really thought about this, that I'm going to make this blanket generalization that with what's happened with CGI's and the explosion, when I can put anything on the screen, it's sucking the soul out of many movies. But I don't think this is anything new. 
And I'll also tell you, this movie used a ton of CG. But it wasn't as apparent, and I'm sure it did. We, we'll talk about that one incredible tracking. It seemed like that one long shot. Right. That went, I'm sure that was... I'm off on a quick tangent here, but let me articulate this. Well, let's talk about it's, it. All right, the big fight scene getting out of the elevator. So about three it, quarters... It went on for... Three quarters of the way through yes, the movie. Yeah, go ahead. a great fight sequence. The whole thing lasts, what, 10 minutes, would yeah, you say? Maybe yeah. maybe even longer. Incredible sequence. But it's just her kicking ass. Yeah. It's a great fight sequence. And it looks to be all one shot. It looks to never cut. But obviously there had to have been cuts because there was makeup that was applied. Right. There, I mean, there, there was stuff, there were changes that were happening. We learned from the movie Birdman that they can have long shots that appear to be right. one continuous take when they're not. Right. And I was aware of it during the film, and there were moments when the camera went into the bad guy's black leather jacket and pulled out, and I'm convinced that there were segments there that were, they were able to transition right, yeah. and reload. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, yes, there was certainly CGI, like an example we're saying, but it wasn't overt. It wasn't overt. I agree. I, I think what it was is they weren't trying to call attention to it. Right. You, the aforementioned Spider-Man where he's holding the barge together. Yeah. I hate it, that shit. It's I too tune much. Out. Yeah. I tune out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So again, with these other movies, like with Luke's movie or, or The Mummy, and yes, this is an original thought, that we're seeing any all this CGI stuff on the screen and nobody really cares. It goes back to story. And although this was a convoluted story, I felt like I got my money's worth. I felt, I feel like it's more about character. And I feel like... In this movie, I've I've always said that I think you can tell a good story with a good character. I don't know that... I'm sorry, let me rephrase it. I think you can have a good movie without a strong story. You can have a good movie with a strong character. If we identify with them, if we care about them. Um, and I don't think we need a whole lot of background in order for that to happen. Case in point, today, I, I watching this movie, they don't give us really any background to Charlize's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, and that didn't make a difference for me. I'm just I'm along for the ride. Right. But I think in a lot of the movies, like the superhero movies, there's so much CG that's thrown in, it feels so fake that we actually become distant from the character. Yeah. yeah. And keeping it up close and personal and it, for example, in this fight scene, this ten minute long fight scene in, in Atomic Blonde, you feel like you understand her character a little bit more. You understand that she kicks ass and you are in with the struggle. The additional thing is that she got tired. By the end of the fight sequence, she was really winded yeah yeah not just beat up but exhausted yeah the wind knocked out now her, right? here's my problem is that she recovered way too fast yeah, and yeah. i don't like that in movies i would love to i love in movies where they get hurt i like when our hero gets hurt because it, it shows that they're not invincible and i think that was that's definitely a problem that we saw and, and i like spider-man but i think that's something that we see in a lot of the comic right book hero of movies. course we saw wonder her. woman the same thing it was it, they're they're invincible right but we certainly saw her hurt a lot of the time look at the opening yeah. shot of the movie where she's in the bathtub with all the ice right getting out. we see all the bruises and cuts but i know what you're saying that after the end of that fight sequence she wasn't winded where the wind was knocked out of her and it took her well, a while to recuperate. She, she was for a bit, but then she recovered. She recovered real fast and then yeah. she was able to drive the car and watch other right. cars drive backwards yet. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. And it, we we start to delve a little too much into invincibility. I want to see people... I want to see John McClane from the original Die Hard. I, he really got hurt. He couldn't walk and he had a limp for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Even um, Jack Nicholson from Chinatown, you know, he's walking around with this cut nose for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And I like that. It vulnerable. Yes. Vulnerable. Because now we have something to lose. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I think that's my big problem with Wonder Woman. I think I said it before on that podcast is that I don't care if, if she wins or loses because I know she's not going to die. She's invincible. 
And uh, same with the Incredible Hulk. You you put too much at stake when you, I'm sorry, you you throw too much out the window when you have these characters that are invincible. Right, right. And you lose a shitload of credibility. Yeah. You want to see them get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I thought the movie did a very good job of capturing what Berlin was like. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that was going on yeah. there yeah. before the wall came down. And have even you been prior to, to that. No, I've never been there. I have. You. Oh, that's right. I remember when you went. Yeah, I went to Berlin. I rem- you went there for a speech competition. I remember. Yeah, that. I won a speech competition. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, what year? Well, you were there, obviously, after the I was there ball. in 89. No, okay. no, you were. Uh, no, I went there, I think it was like 2010, I think. And it was... It, well, first of all, the first thing that I noticed is the graffiti in that town is unlike any other town I've ever seen. There's so much graffiti. And even in Los Angeles, where we look around, you see graffiti everywhere. But Los, I'm sorry, Berlin is covered with it. Just as, as high up as the average arm can reach all the way down to the floor wow. on almost and every not just building. the wall, not just the wall, almost every building. It's crazy. It was striking. But that's the first thing I noticed. And I think that kind of goes... I think that harkens back to the the spirit. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Berlin. I, I don't know how many people know this, but East Berlin was really... You know, East Germany and East Berlin, you could travel freely between the two, but there was West Berlin was a little pocket. It was an island of West Germany that was in the middle of East Germany at the time, Soviet-controlled East Germany. Right. And these people couldn't get out. Um, you know, the, the East Germans wanted to get into West Germany West Berlin, so they could escape to West Germany. Uh, they were being educated by the um, by the East Germans, and they were getting free education. They wanted to leave so that they could make money. They wanted a capitalist society. So th- this was what was called brain drain, where they would basically become educated and then want to leave so that they could make money off of their free education that they were getting. And the Berlin Wall, if you know much about it, it actually went up in one day. Uh, they they didn't build the the wall that we're used to seeing in one day, but literally one day people went to work. The soldiers went around town and just stretched all this barbed wire, um, the the razor wire all around town. And when people came home that afternoon, they were like, hey, I, I live there. And the soldiers were like, no, you don't. Not anymore. Oh. And they're kind of like, just go somewhere else. I, I can't. That's my family there. You could like see your families and stuff. I'm like, no, not anymore. We just strung this wire up. You're not coming home. And th- these families were separated just instantly. Uh, just re- literally in the span of one day. And they, if you missed the, you know, getting sneaking back over, then sorry. Wow. So it literally happened very, very fast. The whole city was split in two over the whole thing. And the, the crumbling of the wall, I don't know if you know how it happened, but there was a mistaken uh, transmission from the Soviet Union telling the German soldiers that were on the, the wall that were guarding the Berlin wall that the people could cross back and forth freely. And then there was so much, there were so many people that were rushing the, the gates to allow them to cross that the guards had no choice but to let them across. Anyway, that's a little bit of background about the wall, but the city itself, I think there's a big artistic community there. There's always been a lot of art in Berlin and this was really reflected in the Yes. Movie. Yes. There's a lot of punk and a lot of um, uh, just eighties, what do, you, what do you call that? Like anti-establishment attitude by a lot of the characters? Mm-hmm. And just um, expression. Yeah. Uh, liberal freedom. Expre- yeah. Yeah. Just, but let me ask you one more question. Not, not the movie, but in real life. Why did the wall come down so fast and easily when it did? Because of this missed 
it was an accidental transmission from the Soviet Union to the soldiers that were guarding the Berlin Berlin Wall, and the people found out about it. They they made an announcement that you could cross freely, but it was a mistake. They actually didn't mean yep. to do it, and all of these people rushed the gates. It was thousands of people that started rushing the gates, and the soldiers that were guarding it. What are they going to do? I mean, you you have even if you have what fifty bullets on you, you got two thousand people running at you. What are you going to do? So they just had no choice but to open up the gates. And it, then once they started free flowing back and forth, they started tearing down the wall. It wasn't Reagan's speech. No, that famous speech. Reagan's speech was eighty-seven, <laughs> and the wall didn't fall till eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard, it was interesting getting back to the movie that it took place in this time period. And I like that about very James Bond-like. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't contemporary. It was a few decades ago. And I assumed that her character was going to be instrumental in bringing down the wall. Yeah. I did. I made that leap and I was wrong. And here's what I want to ask you. Going off of what I just said, what good did Charlize Theron's character, what did she accomplish? So the list was all of these spies <laughs> but, that basically every spy in the world for every country, and they all wanted the list of these spies, and she got the list. And that was it. That's that was really it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked it more if she was responsible for the wall going. I'm serious. I, I thought that, that she was going to help make that happen. I, although it did say at the very beginning, this is not that story. I know. I know. Yeah. I love the, the look of the movie, the yes. graphic um, yes. spray paint transition between scenes and cities i thought that was really really nice that was well done the stylistic choices of this movie were fantastic it looked beautiful we should direct mention the director robert this is actually a first time feature film wow and he was actually a co-director on one of the um wick john wick john wick movies, movies but he didn't get a credit and that mm. other director who did john wick was supposed to direct this one and they brought in this guy instead robert he was a siren siren take off your good god Take off your shirt, Ira. I do want to mention that our producer is here, yeah. and she's very attractive, and I was wondering if maybe we could have her, you would ask her to play nope. this. No. You're no. really asking me to take off my shirt? Yeah. How about a sock? No. Will you settle for a sock? Let's do shirt. I'll take off my watch. I want to, I want to see gross nipples. <laughs> All right, so as we're talking, oh my gosh, this is so creepy. <laughs> Too old for this shit. Now do it slowly. Slowly. Yeah. All right, that's <laughs> getting aroused, Robert. Oh my gosh. I... This is a bad idea. Wait. We need to come up with <laughs> a, a better bad idea. idea. It was your idea. I know. I need I need to come up with oh, better ideas. I feel I feel liberated. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. What um, point were we making? I was gonna make this point. The problem that I have with a lot of uh oh my gosh, I can't concentrate because your nipples are staring at me. Maybe I should but. No, don't make them hard, please. Oh, Too late. Ira. Oh, gosh. So. <laughs> so gross. Why am I getting hard? Uh, one of the problems, too, with spy movies in general that I have is that the spies are always these uh, super attractive, very buff. I mean, and. They're, they're always these people that draw a ton of attention. She's walking around with this electric neon white 
hair. Yeah, I thought about that. I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. Even the theater where they go inside the theater yeah. and her blonde hair is so obvious for the bad people to spot, even though she tries to cover it up. And then go she ahead. says at the very beginning, they made me. I was here for five minutes and they already made me. Well, yeah, I would make you. I would yeah. be like, hey, who's that person right there? That's yeah. probably the spy. Yeah. yeah. And in reality, I mean, if you ever talk to anyone who's been involved in the CIA, they all say that real spies, you don't notice them. That's the whole point. They don't want you to notice them. They want to blend in. These are like fat, schlubby people who... Invisible. Exactly. Yeah. Someone who you see and then you just immediately forget. Someone who doesn't draw attention to themselves. And, you know, uh, Ira Glass had a... um, His TV show, uh, This American Life... Mm -hmm. He had a really great episode a few years ago about a woman who was obsessed with the CIA. She spent her entire childhood trying to train for the CIA, working to learn how to fly a helicopter, learn all these different languages and martial arts and everything else. And then when she finally took the test to to get into the CIA, she got rejected. And they rejected her because she was too perfect. She was everything that right. a spy, quote unquote, should right, be. Right, right. And... I think she just kind of, she didn't realize what they're actually looking for. She wanted to be the movie version of a spy. And that's not what the CIA wants. They don't want that. Of course. But look at James Bond. Look at Sean Connery. Same problem, yes? I I get it. I I understand. It's more fun to watch. Watching Paul Giamatti up there as the spy. (laughs) Good example. Is not going to be as attractive as watching Charlize Theron. I understand that. Yeah, It's not realistic is your point. It's yeah, not realistic. I know, I know. I just, and, and that's not really the point of the movie, I don't think, to be realistic. But even ninjas. I mean, people think about ninjas wearing these black outfits and sneaking around. The, these assassins, they wore regular, common, everyday clothing. They didn't. They wanted to blend in. That was the whole point. Right, right. I do want to get back and just finish my one thought before you made me take off my shirt. As far as the, as far as the director, uh, that he did not get a co-credit for the John Wick movie. Uh, prior to this... He was a stunt coordinator on the Bourne movies. Oh, yeah. That's I was going to say, this reminded me yeah. of Jason Bourne. Is that right? Yeah, it had that yeah. same feel. It yeah. wasn't shot quite as jerkly. No, it, it had a feel to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's Paul Greengrass's. There you go. So he was a stunt coordinator, and he was also like a double, and that was it. And this is his first debut as a solo director. How about mm. that? And also, Charlize Theron, she produced the film. You know that. It had her logo at the beginning, her yeah. company. And she acquired the rights to this. She's been aware of this comic. It's a, it was a comic it's graphic novel. Or graphic novel. Yeah. So she wanted to play this part. There were scenes that did not ring true to me. And here's one of them near the beginning when she lands in the airport and she gets into that car. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was a setup so we could have this wonderful fight in where she gets out of the backseat. But she would not have gotten into that car. Yeah. When I don't know who these people are. Why would you we're get here in that to, car? Why would she get in that car? Right. So we, the whole audience knew, uh, don't get in that car. I'm surprised she got in that car. But... I, I think you kind of have to turn your brain off for this movie. It's not a bad movie, but it, there are a lot of holes in it. And I think if we start looking harder, you're going you're gonna to start to have some problems with it. I had a few problems with it. I, I also don't like at the beginning when they say, trust no one. When yeah. they say that line, okay, okay, so one of you guys are going to double cross one of you guys. Right. And right. it's just a matter of time before we figure out who's going to double cross right. you. It was too comic book-ish for you, wasn't it? Is that fair? A little bit. I think the comic book is a double-edged sword. Parts of it I really like, that it was comic book influenced. The visuals felt very comic book-esque, and I like that. But the invincibility and the um, the overall 
convoluted nature of the storyline, I didn't I didn't gravitate towards. Right, right. I did like that there was an unreliable narrator. I love movies that do that. I like that we're being told a story and, I mean, a big spoiler alert, the end of the movie has a double cross and then the double cross has a double cross. Right. And so there's several additional little layers to the movie and we learn that a lot of what we've seen isn't quite true. Right. For a minute there, on the first double cross, spoiler alert, I thought we were watching uh, No Way Out. Yeah. It reminded me of that when Kevin Costner suddenly spews out Russian. Oh my God, he was bad the whole time. Right. Right. I thought, they're doing that again? But then, of course, there's a twist on the twist. I almost felt like at the very end, uh, you know, she's smoking a cigarette inside the interrogation room. She's in the interrogation room the entire movie. And when she's smoking the cigarette, you see her hand raise up and she's wearing a watch. Did you notice it? I thought that was it. And I thought thought that was going to be the payoff. And I thought that she would walk out with the watch. Yeah. And that was it. I didn't think you needed to walk out. But I almost wonder if the last couple scenes were added as a twist and then a further twist. Yes, I was aware of the watch at the end and I had the same thought as you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Because I'm not familiar with the graphic novel, I don't know how that ended. Right. But that, that watch... It, it was enough for me, but I could also understand them screening it in front of audiences and the audience is going, oh, wait, yeah. she was bad. They're not getting right. it because right. it's such a subtle. Hence, we have the scene with Jock Goodman on the plane. Right. Right. And there was a little bit of spoon feeding just to make it obvious for people who right. might need that. Yeah. Did you notice the Wilhelm scream? No. There was Tell one. us what that is. First, so define the term. The Wilhelm scream is a, uh, a, a sound effect that was used in a, I can't remember what the, it was a, I can't even remember what movie it was. Maybe our producer, who's with us, yeah. could Google that while you're talking. Do you want to find that out? Wilhelm scream. The first Wilhelm scream was a it was a sound effect that was used in a movie, uh, I think back in like the 40s, and they've subsequently used that over and over and over again in other movies. You'll hear people having the same scream, and it has become the sound effect that is consistently thrown into other movies. Yeah, and is there Wilhelm the this. person who did the scream the first time? I think that was the... Or the director. I think that was the person who did the scream. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was in a 1951 film, Distant Drums. Yeah. And, oh, no, it was most likely voiced by actor Sheb Wooley. And named after Private Wilhelm, the character in Change at Feather River. Oh, it's River. named after and the a, character he played. The chain, Charge at Feather River. So that was a movie that had used that sound effect. And uh, Private Wilhelm had, I guess, they used the the uh, distant drum sound effect for Charge of Feather River. Now, and we have, well, there's, and you heard a Wilhelm scream in this movie. There was one when she's beating everyone up with the rope. Uh, what is that? Sure. Is it rope or was it a hose? It was a ro- well. A ro- I think it was a water hose. But yeah. she's, anyway, she's beating everyone up with it. And there was a scream. I heard it. Actually, you laughed. Yeah. That's why you laughed. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you laughed because he was being shoved out, you know, with the, around his neck. Oh, and I was laughing at that. You too. were laughing at that too, but you recognized the scream. Yeah, we have a Wilhelm scream in our movie Thirty Love, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to catch uh, that. So, I, the other there were a few things that I really really liked that were really nice. One of the nice nice ones that was a payoff for the entire movie it was set up very very early on in the movie and didn't pay off until the very end was cocksucker. I knew you were going to say that. The cocksucker button on this it movie. It worked. It worked. It really did. It, because we forgot about it. We totally forgot about and it. And just the way John Goodman said it. Do you want to explain that a little bit about the opening and the and what he... So Charlize Theron calls him a cocksucker at the very beginning. Right. And there's some discussion... She's being as interrogated. To, she's, there's some discussion as to whether or not she actually said the word cocksucker. And she 
said, I didn't say it. I didn't say that word. Of course she did. And then at the very end, we find out that she's actually American. And because she's American, she's, she's actually on John Goodman's side. Right. And so he, uh, he brings up the fact that she had called him a cocksucker. Yeah. At so at the very end, he cocksucker, what does she say? I had to be convincing or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, which leads me to a point that I, I, it kind of rubs me, rubs me, oh, take another shot. It oh, rubs I thought me I'd little, take off my pants. <laughs> it rubs me a little odd when people, they have too snappy of dialogue. When they're, everyone is just so smart and they know how to throw these quips. Man, the CIA is full of dumbasses. Not all of them are, but there's a bunch of dumbasses that are there. We just, we assume that everyone who's a spy is super brilliant and, I, I, and they all have these great quips that they can just throw out at a moment's notice and, I just I don't like that. It, it is a little James Bondy, and I get it. I know we're playing fantasy, right? Right. But I, I guess I like a little bit more realistic fantasy. I like more realism in it. Agreed. As if there was truly realism in the James Bond franchise. <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying I know that that's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it reminded me of. I don't know why. I can't articulate why I feel this way, but it was more reminiscent of some of the early James Bond movies like From Russia With Love. It just felt that way during parts of the movie. Um, In that film, there was uh, the famous scene um, opening up the attache case on the train. It went on for a very long time. And it was almost like this long scene we're talking about was an homage to that. Mm. It just felt... And at the beginning where she's talking to her superiors and getting instructions, it was all very James Bond-like, including the vodka. Including the vodka, yeah, which she wanted on ice, not shaken, not stirred, right? She had right. a drink, right? By the way, did you catch that? The um, I love the ice, ice baby, yeah, music, yeah. And ice seemed to play a visual image throughout it wasn't the film. Ice, ice baby, dun, 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 dun. that wasn't, dun, dun. you know, that ice, ice, that's Queen well, and David Bowie, right? Right, but isn't that the beginning of the dun, ice, ice, ice baby sampled it? Right. Okay. Good. So, am I still embarrassment to my generation? Yeah, a little. I'm sort of saving it there, aren't I? Bum, 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 I associate that with ice. I, okay, all I'm trying to say, and let me make my point without making fun of me. Freddie Mercury and David Bowie are both rolling over in their graves right now. Who? Okay, so there was you just ice. just vanilla ice, that's there, it, right? There was, <laughs> ice was a visual image throughout the film, including at the, obviously at the beginning when she's at the top of the ice, and at the end the gun was in the uh, the, the, ice the ice bucket. bucket. So that's where they playfully put in, bum, 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 that's all I'm saying. So just back off. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, you're agreeing with me, right? Yeah. Okay, what? No? Is that too much of a stretch? I love I love the old stuff too. And there was a reference to the mid to late nineteen eighties, such as the uh, smoking. A yeah. lot of people smoked and there's a lot of smoking of tobacco in this film, and I was fine with that. And her character smoked, and so did a lot of the other characters. I loved all that stuff with the instead of digital, the analog reel to reel tape recorders. Yeah. I, I like that stuff. It's reminiscent of the early James Bond movies. Mission Impossible, a Secret Agent, Danger Man with Patrick, all that stuff. There's something really cool about seeing those two audio reels rotating on a recorder. Here's the problem. I, I Now I'm thinking about it a little bit more. This is my issue. We're led to believe that this is a realistic world because it's put in a realistic time frame. We've got Berlin falling. Uh, you know, the Berlin Wall is collapsing. And all of the political conundrum that's going along with that and all of these people who are ostensibly good at their job because they're spies and they're going undetected until now 
And then you have a sharpshooter who's supposed to kill this guy, for example, and he sticks the barrel of his gun out the window. What are you doing? That I, I'm not even a sniper, and I know that you don't do that. You don't hang a gun out the window. You step back two or three feet, and so that the gun doesn't dangle. And, and there was really no need to do it. There was no purpose in doing that. It's just bad filmmaking. Right. It, it's not well, doing your research, not trying to understand the character a little bit more. And I think I think they're trying to do it because of a visual style, but I didn't think you needed that. There's, you know, She grabs the mirror off the car and, and is able to find the shooter, but do you need... I don't know that you need that. Right. And by the way, could she have really yanked the side mirror off of the car? I wonder... I reacted to that who could really do that thing's I, I bolted on i don't know if you could do that with today's cars and they're all plastic those cars are all metal back yeah, then yeah. yeah yeah maybe i mean i'll give that to her that's you know not completely unrealistic but yeah well she shouldn't have gotten that car at the beginning at the airport okay go ahead no that's that's basically all I'm yeah i just yeah. felt like it was confusing i did like when she shoved the keys in the guy's face you saw me squirm yeah you saw me squirm I like yeah that yeah it was sticking out of his cheek Right. Yeah. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You like that it figures. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to say I made the statement to you weeks ago that Charlize Theron is actually, I find her more striking when she's dirtied up, like in the Mad Max most recent film. And you not, but now I'm changing my mind that when she's got makeup on, she's still, I think she's um, very hot. I think well, just, no, there's erotic scenes. Either way, it was a very erotic scene, and obviously with the the stilettos, and there was a great love scene uh, where she was making love. To another woman. So you're saying you thought she was hotter here than she was in Monster? <laughs> she wore no makeup in that, huh? I think she wore... Oh, to, to dirty her up, to yeah. make her look more yeah. homely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else, what else? 99 Balloons, Eyesight Makeup. I think those are my points. Were those your points? I think I liked it more than you. I did. I'm forgiving the movie more than you are. Usually... You like movies more I like, than I do. I like so I mean, this movie. I'm still giving it. I'm still giving it a B plus. That's, I am. That's about what I would give it. Oh, I thought you were going to give it a solid B. No, you're going up to a plus. Nah, B B plus. Okay. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. But for what it was, when I start watching, I mean, you'll if we were to go back and look at our rating for most of these movies, I think you'll find that, I mean, most of the movies I enjoy, and I'll go, that was solid. That's decent contact for you know if if you're playing baseball, that's a that's a stand up double. Right. But it's not a home run. And it's not a home run. And going in to see the movie with you this afternoon, I remember saying, I really think and I hope we're going to like this movie a real, real lot. And that didn't and quite happen. That I didn't quite happen. Like I, I was ready. I was poised to really fall in love with this film and go fucking ape shit. It didn't happen. Yeah. But I, I sure liked it a lot. Yeah. 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 Well. Is that it? I guess so. We covered everything? Okay. Yeah, so that was what I wanted to ask you. Like, what what did her character? But her character did get the list, so she accomplished something. Still, better if she was responsible for bringing down the wall. Well, I think what she also did was she tricked the British yeah, right. into thinking that that their guy. I mean, okay, she tricked the British into thinking that their guy was a double agent, but that she wasn't a double <laughs> agent. I mean, there's she's also fooling a lot of the spy community, as it were. Right. She's kind of a rogue, almost. Not really, but almost no, like she's, not, not she's really got rogue. Loyalty to she's the, got loyalty to the, to the United CIA, States. But yeah. 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 What were your money on. shots? Uh, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> you see what? I definitely think her getting into the bathtub 
is going to stick was the with opening. Me. Yeah, that was a, that was visually striking. And I think they knew it. Yeah. But how could your money shot not be the 10 minute long kick ass? Well, are we allowed to include down? a sequence? I guess that was that supposedly a shot. A shot. It was yeah. a shot, supposedly. How can we not include that? I think I'm going to steal that because we spoke about it earlier. That that was really an amazing 12 minutes. It really was. That alone, I mean, if that was just a short film, I would have gone, oh, that, that's What fantastic. were the three thugs? And then how many? No, there were. There's actually more. Four. And then I think there were a couple others when she went outside. And it went right into the car and it was just crazy ass shit and it was an amazing sequence well the other thing that i really liked is that they died in a and and this is the part that i do like about the realism that they have it's you can see that they they die in a realistic way it's not just this one punch and they're suddenly taken out right right oh my other money shot though would be when she's um with the um the french female spy that oh (laughs) what happened (laughs) was very erotic it was oh. very erotic. Oh, when they were in the bar talking? Uh, no. No. What oh, happened? no, no, no. She was in other scenes too, Robert. Uh, it was a pretty hot and steamy lesbian sex scene. Was so, that when I went to the bathroom? Uh, <laughs> Fuck! So that was one of my money shots. Go figure. Hmm. <laughs> I, I can see your nipples getting harder right now. <laughs> I need to put my shirt back on. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But I go back to my original premise. And no, this is an Ira thought. I did not read this anywhere. You know that, what, what they're doing need... is CGI is sucking the soul out of contemporary Hollywood films. I'm making that premise. Siren. Oh, fuck. What do I take off? No, 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 no. I, here's what no, I think. I'm, look how I, I make this esoteric intellectual premise. I think what we should do is we should start naked. And every time we hear put a siren, a... <laughs> you put on the clothes. And we're going to be listening for the sirens to put on the clothes. Leave me alone. I'd, I'd rather we discuss my premise here about... Why people didn't Your go to see penis? What? Luke Besson's movie, The Mummy. I, re- I do not want to discuss I'd rather your talk to you about, at all. About, there's, you see truth in it. Your premise is very hard. He's not talking about my You're premise. You're wagging your premise He's in talking my about face. my penis. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. All these movies with CGIs. We're tired of it. We get numb. Goes back to story. Mm. At any rate. Okay. I digress. What do you want me to take off? I don't. <laughs> Pick up a shoe. Yeah, okay, whatever. Atomic Blonde. Anything else on Atomic Blonde? That John Goodman was quite good, which is good. my segue. Segue into Dead Corner. All right, John Goodman died this week. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about top five. Top five John Goodman movies. Now... Yeah, or let me... Okay. Now, I think what we discussed, I think what we kind of texted each other was that we were going to keep TV shows off of this. Yeah, you would lose those as uh, scoops of ice cream, perhaps. Yeah. Now here's and you're I not thought. even going to say Roseanne, are you? I know you're not. Well, it, that's the obvious I, choice. I know, but you're going so out to another... good in Roseanne. He but really was good in Roseanne. He was the glue, actually. He more, really was. More than Roseanne. I think so, too. I think so. Because Robert. Roseanne was sometimes... She sometimes alienated the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, when she would... She almost got too whiny. He was never whiny. And he was always relatable. He was he actually was the always, voice of reason. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the voice of reason in that sitcom. Agreed. He was fantastic in that yeah, show. Yeah. And um, and I, there's some other shows that I don't know if you've seen with him. Uh, Studio 60. Did you ever see that? No. He played a judge that he was really good in that movie. And the first season of Treme he was in. And he, um, he winds up committing suicide. And the, his character in that show was so great. And just really uh, just so emotional. He's he's a he's one of America's best actors. He is, and yeah, I th- I thought you were going to mention West Wing. 
he was in that for a while yeah, yeah. and he was really solid in that as well. I, I think John, I mean, has John Goodman been out of work since the early eighties? No, take a look. IMDb him. It's a, it's a shitload of credits. I mean, and, and deservedly so it, he's just consistently yeah, in yeah. the cultural, uh, I guess, lexicon, whatever you want to call that. Like he's just in the ether of movies always yeah. constantly. And he's reliable. And thank goodness he's lost some weight, man. Because I, if he had died, he's getting too big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is he. He was like John Candy in right. that sense, but he's just had a longer career because he's not dead, and he looks good. He looks healthy. Now. Yeah, still large. Yeah, but not like but not he like, was. like before. I mean, God, he if he died, big. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about John Goodman movies, or as I like to say it, as I like to say it. We're now going to do a Coen Brothers retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to say that to you. It's going to be, a, I, I'm just guessing that you're going to have at least two of your five will be Coen Brothers. I actually we'll only see. have one Coen Brothers. And I have here. two. That's uh-huh. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So our favorite John Goodman characters. Okay. In, in film, having said earlier about TV shows that he's done. And um, who's, you want to go first with your number five? I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. My number five is a movie from 1989. Now, John Goodman, he's jumped around all over the place. And so his movies come from, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 20 teens, all of that. But his 80s work is some of the best stuff he's done because that's really where he was unchecked and could do anything, uh, you know, before he really was in the John Goodman machine. And he played the best friend to Al Pacino in Sea of Love. Is that on your list? It's my number five. It's your number five. It's my number five. I don't mean to interrupt you, but he's it's my number really five. Really good in Sea of Love. He's great. He. I was going to give it a higher ranking, but I I ended up with number five, just like you, Robert. Well, that movie's yeah. really good. It's a good. It's underappreciated. It totally, is underappreciated. It's underappreciated. Ellen Barkin is in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Go you ahead. Talk. You. No. You I don't want to take it away from you. Uh, that's all I was. Oh, going to say. Yeah. Obviously, uh, that's my number five choice as well. I love it that we. Not only in the top five, but it's our same ranking number. Uh, sea of Love, 1989, Al Pacino, Ellen Barkin, like you said. And he's a detective of a local precinct, and he kind of teams up with with um, um, Al Pacino. And he's really solid. He's yeah. just good. Good man. But he's also good kind man. of funny, too, but not unbelievably funny. It's this, uh, you know, he's, he's the sidekick detective and they're working together quite a bit but he he adds some a little bit of humor to break the tension but still you know adding to the overall movie not being distracting robert there's a beat at the very beginning of that movie that had an effect on me and i still think about it a lot oh yeah i saw it in the theater when it first came out and there's something that happens at the very beginning where it's an undercover operation where they want to get these felons who who are on who are on the streets and they need to be brought back. That's it. That they're still under arrest. Yes. You know where I'm going, don't you? Yeah. And which is it? Al Pacino goes up to this this gentleman and says, don't, oh, they're giving away free something. Yeah. What are they giving away? Free something. And Al Pacino goes up to him and says, uh, don't go in there. We're shut down. We don't have any left. What do you mean you don't have any? And he's actually doing the guy a favor and the guy never finds out. And angrily, he stomps off. Al Pacino having saved his ass. It's like a lottery you, or something like yes, that. Yes. Like if yes. you go in, you get... You remember that moment. Yeah. That just... It, I had a visceral reaction to that, Robert. Yeah. I, that's a great scene, too. It is. Yeah. Hey, wouldn't it be something with our top five if we match on all five with the happen. rank... 
Are they going to happen? Well, we already know because I have two Cohen brothers and you only have one. So right. we know we're not going to match. All right. You go ahead, please. What's uh, your number four? My number four is one that I bet is probably also on your list. It's a movie from 1990. It's where John Goodman can't stand spiders. Arachnophobia. You never saw Arachnophobia? I forgot he's in it. Oh my gosh. He's the best part of the movie. He plays the spider exterminator. That's right. He's so good. And he, he, he's actually not in it all that much. But I when he shows up, it. he's so funny. He's amazing in that movie. You got to go back and watch that Was movie. Was John Voight in that film? Uh, Is he in that? I don't no, know. I'm thinking about uh, thinking the Congo. Congo. Con- the, well, that's with the snake. Anaconda. That, yes. That's what it is. Yes. Anaconda. That's what it is. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Especially John Goodman's scenes. He makes them so much better. All right. Nice. What's your number four? Sea of Love, not to be confused with number four, which has the word sea. It's Beyond the Sea. Beyond the Sea. Are you Bobby familiar Darren? with it? Yeah, you know course. this. I think that's also an underappreciated movie. I would agree. I want to say that Kevin Spacey wrote it and, and direct, he co-directed it. I think it. so. And um, with the, the Bobby Darren's story, I love the way it was not a linear story and it yeah. jumped back and forth. And it was a, a, he was wonderful in this film. And, and for what it's worth, Kevin Spacey insists on doing his own singing. And in that movie... Um, John Goodman played a talent manager, but not the slimy that he's really dedicated mm-hmm. to his client and a real good guy. Right. And it was a good movie. And that's my number four, Beyond the Sea, 2004. Number three is a movie that you know I really like um, because we've mentioned it. I don't think I mentioned it in the top five, but you know I like it because one of our actresses from our movie I first saw in this movie 2010's You Don't Know Jack. Again, with Al Pacino. Did you see You Don't Know Jack? Of course I saw it. it yeah, it was an HBO movie. Yeah. yeah. And he plays the... Uh, he, he plays Jack Kevorkian's uh, like supplier, medical supplier. <laughs> I forgot he's in that. He's Which actually is a compliment in yeah. a way that I forgot that that was John Goodman. He's great. He's, that, he's really solid in that movie. I can't... I, actually, as we were doing this... I was having a hard time thinking of a movie where John Goodman isn't solid. Yeah. You could argue maybe King Ralph, but even that, he's but good. But it, it's interesting you're mentioning King Ralph because that's one of the few movies he stars, stars in. Stars in, yeah, he's the lead. That and I'm going to just say The, the Babe, which, yeah. well, I'm cheating right now. I shouldn't even acknowledge that film. It might be in your top. It's not. But, it's not. But, it, but he, he was really but good. But he was really babe. good in it. And those are, I think, the only two movies where he's the lead. I think you might. Well, yeah. you could argue the Monsters, Inc. movies. Mm. Mm, that's true. Or he does the voice. Yeah. But he is more of a character actor. Yeah. I forgot he was and in You Don't Know Jack. Probably because he's not all that hunky. You know, he's not super attractive. But He's not? Well, Would you want him here with his shirt off? Yes. <laughs> that was a perfect, yeah. Like, duh. All right. Well, what's your I love number it. three? My number three, and I'm wondering if it's remaining in your... Yet to come, Barton Fink. It's not in mine, but he's great in that movie. 1991, it's my first Coen Brothers that I'm going to acknowledge of my top five. And um, that crazy scene in the hotel hallway with yes. the fire. You know exactly. Yes. I love that you know exactly what I mean. It's a cool, The movie's like this gender-bending 
not gender bending, genre bending, genre bending, not gender bending. But it's like it, it's got so many layers. It's like a horror movie, and it's it's a film noir. It's got everything. He was crazy in that film, yeah. And he was really, really good in it. And I'm putting that down as my third Barton Fink Coen Brothers 1991. All right, my number two is a movie from 1984. Also, a movie I think we've mentioned on this podcast before. John Goodman plays the coach of the jocks in Revenge of the Nerds. And he is so good. His locker scene where he's yelling at the jocks, they're all dressed up as cheerleaders, and he starts screaming at them to go redeem themselves and attack the nerds. He's great. That's such a great scene. It's one of my favorite scenes of John Goodman, period. I like that movie, by the way. I love to go back and rewatch it. Does it hold up? It holds up? Yeah, I I think it's it's really good. I saw that in the theater when it came out. Wow. Yeah. That's my number two. And my number two, this is going against the grain here. It's something you wouldn't expect, but you do remember that he had a relatively small part in The Artist. Yes. The Artist was one of the ones I was really considering to put in my top five. He's great. He's so good. I know. I know. It was a relatively small part. And again, he was a studio boss, and he'd obviously right. make a great the studio boss. And this was uh, taking place back with the talkies were first coming out in what the mid or late twenties, and um, it was the fir- it was the first black and white movie to win best film um, since Wings. Schindler's List had a little bit of color. That's why you're looking at oh. me. Schindler's List had a little bit of color, so argumentatively you can make station but really since uh since wings and it was um it was quite a movie and uh, that's my second favorite john goodman role as a studio boss in the artist 2011 you know where the color was in schindler's sure, list sure it's the little girl's red coat nope <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna say something because at the so, end all they had real right, life footage on of the people... uh, going on to the grave and go. putting it stones was shot in color like real you know, color. it's funny because when people say that it's colored, they refer to the girl's red coat. Right. But you're right. That whole ending, the epilogue to the movie, yeah. where uh, Jewish people, the tradition is you put stones on the grave right. of those who died. And it's the actual survivors, right, that were on the yeah. list, the people he saved. They go to Oscar Schindler's yeah. uh, grave. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So it does have a whole color sequence. You're right. People you're right. forget about that. Yeah. It's interesting that I did not, my, again, that I only acknowledge the girl's red coat. That's a good point. Okay. That's my second. What's your number one? My number one. And you know what? We're going to agree. I think we are. Because you have not had... A Coen Brothers. Well, you're about to. And so are you. And we're going to have the same one. Go. Let's let's say it at the same time. No, do we say the word the, or should we skip the... What we'll say? We're going to say it in unison. You're going to say the Hudsucker Proxy. (laughs) No, I'm not. Are you not? Are you? No. uh -uh. Okay. Now, we're going to say this in unison. Are we saying the word the, yes or no? Here we go. I think we should say the... One, two... Three. The Big Lebowski. (laughs) This is so funny. This is so... Are you... Yeah, I I love love Raising Arizona. I do too, but I didn't put that in my top five. Look how sure we were that we had the same... I know everyone loves him in Big Lebowski. You knew I was going to say Lebowski, didn't you? So you were... Go ahead. Talk. You kind of have to say Big Lebowski. Uh. And I don't don't blame you for doing it. But personally, (laughs) it's not my favorite John Goodman movie. I I like Big Lebowski. It's not the cult status that it is for other people. It's not my favorite Coen brothers. Raising Arizona is so good. And he is so good in raising Arizona. He's the best part of that movie. And the, the way that he just, he yells at everyone in that. It, oh, so good. 
I, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you. But you were just setting me up knowing we were going to have two different Coen Brothers yeah, movies, course. weren't we? That's why when I was saying, should we have the word the? Because mm-hmm. your movie doesn't have... Well, it does have a... It's not the Raising Arizona. No, it's not the Raising Arizona. That's why you're just like fucking with me. Although and Nicolas you, Cage robbing the 7-Eleven for the Pampers, that sequence might be one of my favorite in all of cinema. <laughs> All right, go. Let's talk about the, the big. Oh, I love that movie. How could I not have put that for me sure. personally at number one? 1998, Coen Brothers uh, with Ju- yeah, I forgot that Julianne Moore was in that and mm. uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and the dude, mm. the dude. And I just love the the. It was film noir. It was breezy. It was insane. It was these eccentric characters with a really cool mystery with twists it was a smart script and it was so much fun Mm -hmm. it was just so much fun and he was he was brilliant in that (laughs) we had two different coen brother movies for number one you know one of the things that i like about john goodman in general is that he does do these big budget movies but he'll do some independent stuff as well and then he'll do some he really does you know span the, the entire gamut of filmmaking he did Red State with uh, that's right. Um, that's Kevin, right. Uh, what's his name? Kevin Kevin Smith's Space? yeah Kevin yeah. Smith's movie, and he's done even more independent cinema more recently. He doesn't need to do that stuff. I I think financially he's well off to not need that. I'm sure he's getting just from Monsters Inc. alone. I'm sure he's paying the bills. Right. But he's he's doing it because he's looking at projects. He's looking at scripts. Going well, this seems like this would be interesting. This would be a fun thing to do. And he can lend his celebrity to to films that need him, that need someone of, of his stature to, to make them get a little bit bigger splash. I really respect him respect a lot. Respect that. Let's get him on our podcast. You make the call. I'm on it. Actually, let's ask our producer to get the call. Can you get, can you get yeah, producer, John Goodman on here? John Goodman. Week? See if he's free next week. That, that was an affirmative. All right, so next week, ah! listen in for John Goodman, everybody. He'll be here. Or my name Ain't. isn't Ira. Ah. Uh, can I put my shirt back on? No. Okay. Keep it off. You can put your shoe back on, though, because it smells. Okay. All right. Well, that, that about does it, doesn't it? We did it. Hey. Another one. This was fun. This was fun. This I enjoyed it. I look forward to this. Even though I don't, I don't know that you ever came up with any money shots for Atomic Blonde. That's why I had you go first. Yeah. But we, I mentioned earlier about that 12-minute sequence. So given the thought, I would have come up with that as well you probably think i'm just stealing it one from you don't you are but that's okay all right well yeah. if you... you know actually we saw charlie's throne's ass in that one shot when she was walking away from the bathroom we saw her cute butt maybe that'd be my money i shot. was taking a piss I no, didn't get to you're see missing it. all Damn the good it. stuff why do i miss all the good stuff uh all right so if you like our top five john goodman movies if you feel like we've left anything off which i'm sure we have i'm sure some people are gonna be very upset about that don't email us because I don't want to hear Ira's <laughs> poem next week. So anyway, uh, if you insist on emailing us, you can email us at robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or and or Ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or you can send us a twit or twi- Twitter. You, what? You, can, twi- you can twit us at Twitter, which is at moneyshotpod. Uh, you can send us a message at Instagram at moneyshotpodcast. We're all over the place, aren't we? Really we? Are. we really are. You can find us on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. Just go right to our website. And be sure to tell a friend. So until yeah. next time, until John Goodman is here sitting between <laughs> us. Or Randall Kleiser, maybe I'll get him to come down. Yeah, that'd be nice. He's my new buddy. You know, it's going to be great when... Uh, They'll both be here. They're, they're both here and then there's all these sirens next week and we're having John Goodman take his shirt off. 
it's going to be wonderful. So stay tuned for that. And until that moment, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. I'll drive you to liquor. Just don't drive me to sucker.